Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roadie on the Horn podcast. Today is Tuesday, September 19th at time of recording. We're going to talk about football, baseball, hockey. I mean, just jam-packed news in the world of sports in the last week. Pretty excited to get into it with my great friend, my host, Donnie. Donnie, what's going on, man? Uh, not a whole lot. Obviously, today's my off day, so this is why we're recording. We uh, RK has been just such a such a doll in terms of the scheduling because it's uh Mondays are tough for me now. So obviously Tuesday records moving forward, Wednesday uploads moving forward for anybody who is curious. If you haven't figured that out already, we've been doing this for a little bit now. So it's like this is there's nothing new here. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm just excited to come in and talk about some sports. Yeah, I mean the summer obviously we're kind of just uh waiting for some news sometimes. So it's nice that things are happening on a more regular basis. We've kind of been waiting for for this time of year, October, obviously coming up uh, in a little bit, uh, obviously a prime sports month. So uh, nice that we can kind of get on a little bit of a routine with Donnie's work schedule, obviously kicking ass, uh, watching a lot of football and tweeting memes. So pretty unreal stuff over there. But let's get into it, Donnie. Let's start talking about football and let's start talking about our two college football teams to start off the podcast. A couple of wins for us, Iowa over Western Michigan, Miami over Bethune-Cookman. Not thing too surprising with either of those results, but definitely nice to see our teams have some strong performances. Let's start with Miami, Donnie. What did you see out of uh, the Hurricanes uh, this Saturday? Or actually not Saturday. It was earlier in the weekend. My bad there. But nevertheless, what did you see out of Miami this week? Uh, you know, it, it's obviously, you know, it's a game that just doesn't matter when every running back goes out there and averages six or seven yards per carry. And it's just, it's a tough one for Bethune-Cookman. Obviously, it's a TV game for them. They're just trying to get a little bit of money for their their school. They have accepted the the one Miami loss on the on the schedule for the last couple of years, uh, which is interesting. But realistically, I want to talk more, RK, about how these games shouldn't happen anymore because it's just a waste of football, in my opinion. I've been talking about the Humpties uh, by week three, like if you want to play Bethune Cookman, put him week one. I, I don't care about anything else. You can't be playing Bethune Cookman week three when other teams are playing in conference schedules. It's like it's a little like embarrassing, honestly. Yeah, I uh, I'm not a huge fan of the uh, these cupcake games. Obviously, we still kind of see it in the SEC as well later in the season, which is probably even more of a joke in my opinion than doing it in week three. But nevertheless, the the sentiment is very real. Uh, yeah, why why can you not schedule a more elite uh, uh, opponent? Obviously, they just played Texas A and M, but uh, nevertheless, you know it seems like Miami shouldn't uh, you know be doing that. So I'm with you on that. But uh, their offense definitely uh, had a strong effort. Uh, and then next week they'll go ahead and play Temple. So, uh, the, you know, probably more of the same coming from Miami now uh, in the polls, obviously. So uh, that's uh, that's good to see for them. Iowa also, uh, as mentioned, got a big win over Western Michigan. Uh, that was nice to see. Another strong defensive performance from the Hawkeyes. Nothing new there, um, but a big one coming up for this weekend, coming up where they go to Penn State. Uh, big night game coming up for them. So um, that will be a very tough one. Uh, Penn State's looked really good so far themselves. but. Uh, bouncing around a little bit to some other action we saw in college football. Uh, some definitely a lot of close games uh, among top teams. Uh, Georgia in a closer one with South Carolina than we may have anticipated, uh, you know, originally. Uh, Florida State had a close one with Boston College. They were able to barely pull that one out. That one was fun to watch. And Alabama really with a tough offensive performance uh, themselves. Uh, but they end up getting the win against a USF. Uh, kind of funny to see Alabama be playing a road game at USF. Um, but they ended up winning it, even though it was definitely an ugly one for them. So uh, maybe a little bit of surprises from some top teams. But I think the game of the weekend, without a doubt, Donnie, was that Colorado, Colorado State 
double overtime game. Uh, I mean, it seemed like all hope was almost lost there for Colorado in a game where they had so much hype and so much expectations to just blow out Colorado State. Uh, and they were kind of, you know, in a tough spot there. Ended up pulling it out, a late comeback and the overtime win. Uh, this one was uh, was pretty wild. We were watching this one together. It was ending around 2 a.m. Eastern time. So uh, we, were, we were chatting while this thing was going on and a lot of surprises, but definitely what I would say was the game uh, of the weekend for me. Yeah, definitely the game of the weekend, no doubt about it. Obviously, there was some buildup in this because we had some some coaching uh, errors, I would say, on the side of Colorado State before the game, deciding to tar- start uh, talking some smack, saying some some words to a coach that is very uh, uh, eccentric. Very, uh, it's very easy to get behind uh, Coach Prime if he's angry over something. I I could imagine as a player, and I think that they uh, probably rallied around him. I'm sure the second half. Um, the, the halftime yelling in the locker room was was something that they hadn't imagined having they were gonna have to deal with with the Colorado State and obviously uh, we saw they were they were kind of slinging the ball around the passing game for Colorado State was like almost impressively good I would say for, for what you would have expected and again we have to we have to mention even though they did win it was a 23 point line they, they were favored by 23 points uh, right. so they, they were they were expected to blow the blow them out like big time. And I think uh, almost every better, like 90% of betters had Colorado um, favored with three touchdowns, regardless, they thought they were going to beat them up. So uh, interesting, but yeah, definitely the game of the weekend, really, really interesting that it even got that far. Uh, We did see some, some, you know, some head hunting, stuff like that, which really, in my opinion, maybe takes away from the game. If anything, like it's not exciting to see players knocked out. We saw Travis Hunter knocked out very early. Like, how, how how screwed up is that? How messed up is that 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 was like a legitimate storyline? And we'll talk about it a little bit later. We have a question uh, on this same topic, but like, how did how did that happen? How is this happening? Yeah, that one. Uh, it definitely was tough to see that. I mean, the energy, the atmosphere was insane, and you know there was smack talk, obviously among the coaches, which obviously impacted what we saw uh, on the field. But uh, yeah, no, you're exactly right. It's too bad that kind of took away from uh, from the game uh, with uh, with obviously the big headline being that injury to Travis Hunter. That was uh, that was too bad. But uh, yeah, I mean, nevertheless, uh, we did see quite great action on the field. You said it, you know, the passing game for Colorado State. Fowler and Nicolosi had like over 300 yards, three touchdowns, did have a couple of picks in there as well. But uh, and then Shadur Sanders, obviously, for Colorado, again, lighting it up four touchdowns. Um, definitely liking what I'm seeing from from him so far uh, and also for their receiving core. I think Xavier Weaver has definitely caught my eye. I had a big game in this one, a touchdown, almost 100 yards transferred from USF. Uh, I mentioned them earlier having a close game with uh, with Alabama, but uh, one of their top receivers going to Colorado definitely could be a name to keep an eye on going into the draft. Uh, he's definitely caught my eye for, for Colorado, but yeah, definitely tough sledding coming up. Uh, once we start getting into, into more conference action for Colorado, Oregon and USC, uh, as you said, Donnie, we'll kind of get into more of that analysis when we get into our questions, but wanted to open up with college football is definitely a fun weekend. And uh, now we've kind of reached the point where we've got some marquee games uh, coming up on the schedule. Uh, I mentioned the Iowa Penn state game uh, as one of them, Colorado, Oregon, UCLA, Utah, uh, Ole Miss, Alabama, handful of ranked versus ranked games. Uh, going on this upcoming weekend. Ohio State and Notre Dame, couldn't forget that one as well uh, in the nightcap. Uh, So it should be a lot of good football action coming up. But let's go into the NFL here, Donnie. Week two, uh, wrapping up in the NFL. Uh, both our teams getting wins, so nice to kind of highlight that at the start. Yeah, wasn't always looking too great for the New York Football Giants, let me say. Down 20 to nothing in this game. It was seeming like, oh my gosh, are we going to get another 40 to nothing loss? We just saw this last weekend, another play in the Arizona Cardinals. You're like, what is going on in the world? But 
definitely quite a uh, a wild game uh, for the Giants in this one. Ended up winning it. I want to start right there, Donnie. I mean, just what was running through your head in the second half? We know what was going on in the first half. It wasn't fun. But in the second half, when did you start becoming a believer that, hey, maybe maybe the Giants might have something here? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely interesting to see them come out of half and actually, like, score. That was surprising because I hadn't seen any scoring yet this year. So I was like, okay, great, maybe there's a chance. Uh, but the issue with that is they scored, and then they gave up a touchdown drive to Josh Dobbs right away where Dobbs looked immaculate. So uh, my, yeah. my okay, maybe they could do this. It, it it hit rock bottom for a second. I was back yeah. at halftime vibes for, for a second there, but um, obviously we had a, a nice drive. Saquon ran the ball in, and then the fourth quarter was all Giants. Ended up coming back winning in regulation, which was very helpful. Obviously, Graham Gano, um, reliable as ever, even with the injury stuff I uh, talked about because he, he may have got hurt last week. But yeah, um, I, I didn't take much. There's not much happiness from me. There's not much to smile about still as a Giants fan. Like a win is great and everything, but watching them play such poor football through six weeks, has me or six weeks uh, through six uh, quarters, pardon, uh, has me very, very concerned, uh, especially considering the fact that RK next week in San Francisco, there is not a not a chance in hell with or without Saquon Barkley, who's currently nursing an ankle injury. No chance they win that game. I'm, I'm putting it down now. I would put my life savings on the 49ers to win that ball game. So uh, it's it. The vibes are still low uh, in my camp. Yeah, I definitely don't blame you. Obviously, the Barkley injury is tough. And yeah, having seen James Conner go for 100 yards and a touchdown uh, with Arizona's offensive line. I mean, you got Christian McCaffrey in the Niners line coming up. So uh, I definitely don't blame you on that. I will say highlight for me in this one, Jalen Hyatt, he caught a deep ball in this one. I'm kind of just like, whoa, a Daniel Jones deep ball. I'm kind of like, Wow. Cool. I, I didn't have Two. that on my on my NFL. Yeah. I didn't have that on my bingo card for, for the day. So uh yeah, you're right. I had that one for fifty-eight and uh and another for like forty as well. So um that was definitely a uh a nice thing to see for the Giants. And they won, so uh there there we go somehow we can we can take some positives even though uh it was definitely not always the most fun for the giants eagles kind of a, a uh an interesting one with the vikings you know they were kind of in control early vikings kind of crawled back obviously now this is two weeks in a row the eagles defense in the fourth quarter has just been uh kind of ripped to shreds uh to be honest uh, opposing teams past games have really kind of gotten to them uh really strong run defense we know about the d-line but um if there isn't a sack you know you're a little bit concerned about that back end for the eagles that's definitely something to note but deandre swift he was was great in this game Jalen Hurts uh you know had his ups and downs had uh some nice balls to Devontae Smith which felt good so uh Eagles get a win Giants get a win uh definitely good notes for for Donnie and I let's bounce around to other areas of the NFL uh definitely a lot of close games couple of overtime games definitely a wild one between the Seahawks and the Lions I thought um that one was probably the game of the week uh in the NFL at least in my opinion and then also had uh the Titans over the Chargers in a close game Ravens over the Bengals uh you know Bengals kind of struggling a little bit to uh, start the year uh, obviously this was a close game and the Ranger Ravens a, a very strong team but a handful of really close games any of those three stand out to you the most Donnie uh, that you want to hit on yeah I was definitely interested by uh, as you mentioned the Lions game was was quite good really honestly yeah. I was a little bit maybe surprised by that actually being a good game uh, considering I, I think that I was I, I was kind of anticipating the Lions would go out there and maybe perform a little bit better than they did. I kind of thought I penciled them in like this. So this is a very winnable game for them. Uh, and they played a good ball game, but obviously Jared Goff kind of, kind of threw at the end of the game, um, made them, made it really hard, had to come back. And then obviously overtime is overtime. Like, you know, uh, you kind of need a little bit better out of your, your quarterback there. Uh, as the game is closing out, obviously throw a pick six, um, 
can't complete a pass at all. We saw Amon Rice St. Brown was a little bit frustrated from time to time. He ended up having a pretty good game regardless. But uh, yeah, I wanted to talk more about Geno Smith. Like Geno Smith is is Geno Smith. It's out of nowhere after week one, we were thinking, okay, like maybe we're going to see some regression. And then Geno Smith, Geno Smith again. Like, I guess we can say at this point, like, Maybe we should be expecting a Geno Smith part two season. Like maybe, maybe we're thinking the Seahawks. Obviously, we did see uh, DK Metcalf dealing with an injury right now, so that could be a little bit concerning. But uh, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic once again that Geno Smith may return and and prove me wrong because I wasn't super high on Geno Smith coming to the year. So uh, stonks on Geno Smith. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the Seahawks are hoping not only is it uh, the case for this year, but two more years. Obviously, you got a three-year contract. Uh, there is a potential out at the end of this year. But, um, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, just a really good receiving core. You can kind of spread the ball around a good amount. Metcalf, Lockett, uh, get them involved. Uh, and Kenneth Walker, too, I thought had a pretty strong game. Going back to Michigan, obviously, he played at Michigan State. So, um, kind of a fun connection. But, um, yeah, definitely was uh, was some good games uh, there. Uh, mentioned some of the injuries. Nick Chubb, that was a pretty tough one on. Uh, Monday night football uh, for all of us to see out there. Uh, obviously, one of the top running backs uh, for the Cleveland Browns going out. Um, that one was a uh, probably the biggest blow uh, of all the injuries we saw. But uh, nevertheless, you know, uh, good uh, good week in NFL. Interesting to have two Monday night games uh, in week two. I couldn't remember that. And then looking ahead to week three, there's also two Monday night games, which I was not always immediately aware about. So uh, it's kind of weird that they're they're going with this doubleheader for Monday night football. But here we go. Eagles play uh, next Monday. So um, we'll obviously break that down, as we said uh, at the top, you know, doing Tuesday recording. So we'll be able to cover those. I remember last year we jinxed the Eagles on Monday Night Football and they had that tough one against the Commanders. So uh, fortunately, we won't have that problem this year, Donnie. I'm praying. Uh, but if we do, then I got to talk about it and face it, face the facts uh, for, for an Eagles loss. But um, definitely good news at the NFL. Let's bounce around, though. Again, let's talk about some baseball. Obviously, it's getting to crunch time in uh, terms of some of these races. We've been talking about them for uh, a couple months, obviously, at this point. Point, but um, let's highlight them again, update you guys on, on where we're at heading into October baseball with just uh, a couple of weeks to play. AL West, definitely one of the top divisions in uh, in all of baseball, if not clearly the best. Houston Astros up at the top right now. Also have Texas, uh, of course, in that mix, uh, as well as Seattle. So uh, they're tied at the moment, uh, trailing the Toronto Blue Jays, who have been playing pretty good baseball over the past month. Uh, we hit on them the last few podcasts as well. Uh, any predictions uh, at this point, Donnie? Who do you think? is kind of the odd man out it seems like those three teams seattle texas toronto two get in and, and one's going to be left out yeah it's going to be fascinating normally i would have said maybe this week we kind of just like ignore the aos because nothing has changed but it is interesting to note as the weeks move forward we have two weeks of games left right seattle plays texas in two separate series they also play houston uh that, that there's there's fireworks there almost assuredly you have to assume that those are going to be super super important games obviously Seattle ends the season off with Texas so that's a, a crazy potential series who knows where the season is going to be at that point because we've seen so much up and down uh tomfoolery I would say from these teams uh but it's interesting I, I think obviously Houston has has developed enough of a lead one and a half games really not a whole lot but it's enough in the division where uh, Seattle's playing bad ball once again they're six and twelve this month in baseball which is crazy crazy and texas is they've lost four straight really not ideal we last time we talked about them texas rangers were looking good they ended up winning another series and then they got absolutely dominated it felt like um in their their series fight against cleveland they gave up a, a metric fuck ton pardon my french run amount of runs to the cleveland guardians which is just never ideal uh so really at this point uh houston's probably far and ahead the favorite i'm very concerned 
that if we there's potential that we don't see the Texas Rangers in the playoffs, like how could that even possibly happening with how Corey Seager has played? You've seen it firsthand this year. Like they're 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 working with some talent. Like how is this happening? Yeah, it's pretty insane. But I mean, I think you just got to give the Mariners a lot of credit. They were a team before the year. I remember we said, you know, kind of look out Mariners. They could be ready, made the playoffs last year. Um, you know, maybe they got some juice. Obviously, Julio Rodriguez has put up another just unbelievable season. And uh, they've gotten, you know, some good pitching outside of that as well. So uh, I think that, you know, it's no fluke that uh, the Mariners are kind of the big reason as to why the Rangers aren't just kind of scrolling on in into the postseason uh, at this point. So um, you got to kind of, you know, consider them definitely very much still alive in that race and same with Toronto I, I definitely would have thought a little bit ago that maybe the, the Jays were kind of sinking a little bit but um, they've really played some good ball as mentioned so um, those will be tight finishes let's bounce over uh, to the other division in the American League uh, the Orioles and the Rays just completed a series uh, that one was obviously big with these two teams battling it out for that division crown and um, realistically the, the top seed uh, in the American League uh, at this point so uh, four game series they end up splitting the Rays took the first two Orioles get the last two so 12 games to play uh we do have Baltimore still uh in the lead at this point with a two and a half uh game lead so I'm sure they're probably feeling good at this point but um I think the Rays are definitely really interesting obviously you know I think both of us thought they would falter a little bit more than they have after losing you know Wander Franco and McClanahan but uh, again the Rays are just kind of the outlier in baseball they just kind of do things a little bit differently if there was a team to just kind of keep on moving it would probably be them and uh here we are uh how much of a chance and what is your feeling right now on the Rays? Uh, do you feel like there is a very realistic chance that they could get back to the World Series this year? Yeah, I mean, definitely. As we've talked about so many times in this podcast, whoever ends up ending wild card one, whoever loses the division, will still end up with a very, very easy, theoretically, series in, in the first round of the playoffs. So I wouldn't be super, super like I, I would be pretty confident that it, it'll be maybe we get a rematch out of like Baltimore Tampa come come playoffs round two something along those lines I don't know necessarily how it lines up but I think that would be the the move there that it could be really interesting whoever wins that series or whoever comes out comes further in that division should be the favorite at this point I don't think it's really any question uh, even with Tampa struggling like Tampa's won 10 of the last 14 games like that's 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 pretty damn good ball down the stretch with all those injuries all the all the issues that they've dealt with they've still managed and again Baltimore you know all they got to do is just keep winning games we obviously saw them go on a, a little bit of a skid there uh, lost four or five uh, five of six I believe when they were playing St. Louis and then into the Tampa series, but they've bounced back. They do have uh, some tough games. Obviously they're playing Houston right now. And then they have a series at the end of the year with Boston. Who's never a pushover Cleveland. Who's never really a pushover as we saw last week. It, like it, it could end up going very, very much down to the wire. I'm going to assume Baltimore wins the division and is the favorite to win the AL uh, when it comes all said and done. But like a uh, Baltimore Tampa series would be absolutely electric if we uh, ended up coming to that. Yeah, I think so too. It's just funny that we're at this point, you know, we're for so many years used to the Yankees and Red Sox battling it out and they're at the bottom of the standings and we were Baltimore and Tampa teams that have obviously had plenty of their fair share of tough baseball as, as two of the games elite. So um, just kind of feels uh, a little bit funny for me to, to actually be seeing this play out uh, in this way, but you're spot on. Those two teams um, would play an unbelievable series uh, if we do get it in October. That would be fun. All right, let's touch on the NL. Not as fun right now for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, just 
just kind of got their ass handed to him over the weekend against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Had a heartbreaking 13-inning loss uh, in one of the games. That one was uh, was tough to see. Did get Marcus Stroman back, but they got him in the bullpen working. So um, kind of just an interesting spot. We know that the Cubs can hit a little bit, but um, if they don't uh, get that in a series, you know, their pitching oftentimes uh, isn't good enough to kind of compensate for that. And um, that's obviously hitting them right now. So uh, we'll see if the Cubs are able to kind of hang on uh, at this point in time. They're battling it out with uh, those handful of teams in the mix, like the Reds and the Marlins and the Giants, who uh, maybe have uh, have tried to make a little bit of a pushback here as of late. But uh, Diamondbacks did jump them at this point in time. We've been talking about the NL wild card. Um, you know, Philly's still in a good spot at that top, but um, very, very close for Arizona, Chicago, Cincinnati, and Miami right now competing for just two spots. Yeah, it's going to be very concerning if the Cubs don't end up building a, a little bit of a lead coming into the last week of the season uh, at Atlanta and then a series at Milwaukee could end up being very, very devastating for a team trying to sneak into the playoffs there. Although, I mean, let's just be honest here, RK. The Reds are not that good at baseball. Like, it's a pretty mediocre team, and it's sad to see because at one point it looked like the Reds were actually this exciting, young, fun team. They're still young, just not maybe not super exciting or fun at this point, like a pretty mediocre team. And then, like, Miami... Ah, uh, like, like, do I really care about the Miami Marlins arcade? The answer is no. The answer. So it's got to be the Cubs. They should very well be in, in the seat, uh, even with the, the really, really just, I don't know, crazy struggle. Like they're struggling with the bottom feeders of the NL West. Like how, how does that happen? Obviously, in all respect to Arizona, they, they did their best, but you can't lose games to Colorado. It can't happen at this point of the season. Colorado's bullpen is just so bad. Uh, it, it's tough. Honestly, like I'm going to root for the Cubs. I think they'll still end up be able to do it, but man, like, uh, you, you can't two wins in 10 games at the end of the season when you're pushing for a playoff spot and you have a decent lead. It's just crazy to me. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. You know, they had a three game sweep uh, at home against the San Francisco Giants. You're feeling good. And then uh, two series out of three against the Diamondbacks. You only win one game out of seven and a head to head, you know, against a team that just jumped you in the standings. So uh, that's obviously pretty unfortunate uh, at this point in time for that to happen. But um, still some hope, uh, as you said. And uh, who knows, maybe they end up getting that last wild card spot and end up having uh, a series against, you know, their division rival, the Brewers, uh, kind of in a back to back situation, as you outlined. That's the last uh, regular season series the Cubs have will be in Milwaukee. So um, definitely some potential for those teams to kind of run it back. If the Cubs can hold on uh, at all, definitely uh, easier said than done with, with how they've been playing as of late. All right. Let's move on from baseball. We've kind of jumped around to a lot of sports, but I uh, had some kind of unfortunate NHL headline uh, go on this week. You know, normally it's a pretty quiet time in hockey. You know, maybe some prospect camps are going on. Connor Bedard scoring a hat trick in the most meaningless game to ever exist uh, in the history of hockey. So uh, that occurred. But uh, Mike Babcock getting canceled literally by Paul Bizonette and spitting chiclets. I mean, this was was quite something. Uh, but what Mike Babcock did, uh, he basically was just going through player meetings and uh, kind of crossed the line a little bit to say the least he was asking players to basically show photos of their phones the team and coach were saying oh we were just asking them to show you know family pictures but uh players you know spoke up for themselves and, and said it made him feel uncomfortable you know, mike babcock was just hired two months ago hadn't even completed a game coach with the blue jackets uh before he is re- technically resigning but uh obviously we can read between the lines a little bit on that um you know this is nothing too new with mike babcock he's known been known as the kind of coach that um is obviously a little bit tougher on players um given some of his past in detroit and in toronto so uh nothing too shocking there but um definitely an interesting one to you know have happen you know what was kind of your reaction to how things unfolded uh here for mike babcock donnie 
it's a very like NHL offseason scandal. Like it, it feels right. It feels like something that you would expect to happen <laughs> in the NHL offseason. It obviously, does. it's it's so screwed up. This is like something that's happening. And obviously, like it, younger players should be pretty much off limits. I would say in most situations from from anything in terms of like a, a, a team building or like stuff like that. It, like you don't want to go too far and push them, uh, haze them at all. Like those types of ideas. Like you're, you're a hockey coach, teach them, teach them hockey. Like don't don't you, you got to keep it at that point obviously Mike Babcock shouldn't have been hired in the first place obviously uh, we're going to see the organization is going to come under a lot of fire in the coming weeks months as they should realistically because uh, they ended up hiring Pascal Vincent who's got decades of experience uh, as an assistant coach and other coaches within the NHL like a guy that very well should have been hired for their the job initially and was uh, a part of their first uh, their first interview process and everything so uh, really interesting they could have just hired a guy that hasn't had the chance but instead they, they hired the scumbag and oh look He's a scumbag again. What's surprising uh, about that? But the surprising part, as you mentioned, Paul Bissonnette and, and the, the Spin Chicklets crew, um, the players podcast, albeit some issues with uh, some issues with Boone Jenner in there, maybe maybe uh, maybe didn't go so well uh, on that end. But Paul Bissonnette and, and Spit and Chicklets, you have to give them credit, even if you're, you're a hater. I'm, I'm not I'm not the biggest supporter in the world. I don't listen to Spit Chicklets, but you have to respect them bring down the man who probably shouldn't have got the job in the first place. Um, hope, uh, hopefully this is like the start of good karma for the jackets. Obviously like we've, we've got a jackets fan listener or two on the podcast every once in a while. Like I'm, I'm hoping for positive vibes, maybe some, some positive growth. Uh, maybe the jackets won't be as horrible as last year. Yeah. I mean, uh, we'll see. Obviously they go with Pascal Vincent for the time being uh, to replace Babcock uh, as their head coach moving forward. But, um, you know, still kind of a, a young group dealt with a lot of injuries last year. So, um, you know, and in a very tough division. So uh, not necessarily the news that uh, you wanted to hear for the Columbus Blue Jackets, but um, they cut the cord, move on from Babcock. And uh, yeah, I think chances are good. That might be the last we hear uh, of Mike Babcock behind an NHL bench, but um, that is that let's dive into questions now, Donnie lot of uh, news and notes so glad we were able to dive into those but do have a handful of question askers on this podcast as we always do we always appreciate it love hearing from you guys always funny to think back that we literally just started questions during covid because there were no sports and here we are we're still doing it still cooking and covid you know there was a little a little scare there but i don't know maybe we're doing all right but all right i'm rambling too much let's get into it connor first question asker on uh, on the podcast uh regular question asker i would uh give him that title at this point we've we've heard from connor a good amount glad to have him back and his first question for the podcast today is where do you stand on the turf versus grass debate donnie what do you got uh, i think it may be a little bit overblown because there are, it's it's still like most nfl injuries are still flukes that happen uh you can plant your foot in grass and get stuck it's very very common it happens if anybody's ever played like tackle football in the rain or something with your friends you could very easily twist your ankle or, or do much worse as a professional athlete working at a much higher rate which gives a much higher uh I guess, chance to have a disaster happen. If I twist my ankle, like, oh, dang, I got to walk around school tomorrow. If they twist their ankle, they're out for two weeks. So a little bit different there. Uh, the, the statistics will support, obviously, grass being more safe than turf in 2022, I believe, was the what were the numbers. But like previous years, they were pretty much the same in terms of the, the injury rate was pretty much the same uh, for non-contact stuff. So realistically, at this point, like, I don't, I don't think I care that much. Obviously, if grass is safer, even by a little bit, let's go to grass. But there's obviously a reason there's not grass anymore. Okay, let's be real here. It's a money thing. It's always going to be a money thing. We just got to accept that. Yeah, you, uh, you're exactly correct. And I love how Connor phrased this question because he says, where do you stand on the turf versus grass debate? Well, I'm standing on the grass. That's where I'm standing on the, uh, on the debate. 
I'm going with the grass for the injuries, like you said. Uh, but you're right. I mean, what in terms of like a watching football perspective, if that's what I'm answering this question as, and I'm watching the Chicago Bears on this gross soldier field grass every single December, I'm like, yo, why do we not just get turf? What what are we doing here? But I'm not the guy running around on there. So I'm standing on the grass. So that's what I got for you, Connor. That's a that's a fantastic question. Um, and that's how I'm taking it. I'm, I'm standing on the grass with Donnie. Uh, but next question from Connor. We actually hinted on this one earlier when we were talking about college football at the top of the podcast. So glad we can close the book on this one. Good question from Connor. He says, how much of a chance do you give Colorado to beat Oregon this Saturday and USC next Saturday without Travis Hunter? We mentioned that Travis Hunter got injured uh, in this game, kind of taking a, uh, a hit after an incomplete pass his way. That was too bad to see. But nevertheless, the be without their star uh, cornerback and wide receiver hybrid player uh, against two of the Pac-12's elite with Oregon and USC. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on the pulse of Colorado heading into these two matchups, Donnie? Yeah, I mean, again, we have to mention, I, I'm going to be a Debbie Downer a little bit. We have to mention the TCU and Colorado State games were very close games. It's very close football, even if they did win the games, which they probably should be doing, uh, given the fact that they're working with very, very high-level recruits at this point. It's not Colorado of olden days. We're talking about Colorado with with the luggage, the Louis luggage. So at this point, they probably should be beating TCU uh, in a transition year and Colorado State. So uh, And the books, let me mention, RK, the books are really not supporting Colorado having any chance uh, against against Oregon, especially a three touchdown spread is not, it's concerning to say the least for me. Uh, so I'm going to give them a very low chance uh, against Oregon an even lower chance against USC. Like I think that we're talking about two losses without even really much of a debate there. Uh, but I, would I be surprised if, if Colorado won? I mean, it's the quarterback play, I guess. Like, I, I, I would say they're probably more likely to get great quarterback play against Oregon uh, in terms of, like, you know, beating out the opponent, even though you are playing two very solid quarterbacks. Uh, it's going to be tough regardless. I'm, I'm going to give them, like, a 15% chance to beat Oregon and, like, a, a 6% chance to beat USC. It's just – it's tough sledding. without it's, it's your best player pretty much. Like, 140 stats a game, it, you, can't, you can't replace that. Yeah, I thought you broke that down pretty spot on. I agree with everything that you said. Pretty pretty spot on with your percentages, too. Uh, maybe a little bit better chance to beat the Oregon Ducks, but uh, I definitely don't think you have a chance against Caleb Williams and uh, and the the high-powered Lincoln-Riley attack of uh, of the Trojans from USC. So uh, I, I'm with you on that. Even with Travis Hunter, I think these are tall tasks, too. I might add, uh, I, don't, I don't think that um, I necessarily would, would pick Colorado in this matchup, even if they did have Hunter out there. But especially with him out, I don't think there's a chance they knock them both off. Um, but if they do have any of a chance, you know, maybe against Oregon a little bit more than USC. So uh, I agree with everything you said there. Good analysis. Donnie, good questions. Connor, uh, appreciate you uh, you stopping by uh, and, and standing on the grass with us. That's where that's where we're going. So uh, good stuff. Appreciate it, Connor. All right. Next question on the podcast is comes from my dad. Good question. He saw a video online of West Virginia and they're singing Sweet Caroline, but then they're saying eat shit pit. So, you know, there we go. A couple of, a couple of chuckles out there from, from my dad seeing this one, but his question in relation to that in any pro or college sport, what's your favorite fan tradition or cheer? Uh, is it eat shit pit Donnie? Or are you picking something else? It is not eat shit pit in the backyard brawl. I am a pit supporter. So let's just get that out of the way. Um, it's, it's not always good for pit. Let me tell you, the games are not always, always great. So no eat shit pit for me. I'm actually going to kick it overseas and talk about European soccer because the fans, they, every team has chance. Every team has uh, emotional songs. Uh, I would say as a Liverpool fan, uh, you'll never walk alone. Obviously they sing a song in the, uh, in the stadium, uh, as a, a, like a supportive, like, Oh, like this is our supporter group. Like we are, we are here for you as 
um, fans trying to encourage the players to either play better or at the end of the game after they've won, just to remind them, hey, like we're, we're here, we've got you, we are what you are. Uh, and I really enjoy that because that's like a European soccer thing. Obviously, um, we hear some, some chants for every team. Every team's got some really, really good ones. So I'm going to kick it overseas. I honestly wish that we kind of adopted adopt a little bit more of that in, in America. Like, it feels like, especially like the NHL, like, how do we not have hockey chants? Like, they do it in other hockey leagues across the world. Like, in, how did we, how did we not pick, we picked up everything else from all these sports and made our leagues, but we can't pick up, we can't pick up chants and like crowd interactions. Like, it's kind of crazy to me. Yeah, you, you bring up an outstanding point. You're spot on. We need more of these chants. Uh, we also didn't pick up relegation. I'm going to point that out. It's not true, just true. It's not just the the chance. I'll add a second thing on there, but you're spot on in your sentiment about chance being needing to be uh, more adopted here. Uh, good choice from you on that one. I'm going to also go with Big Ten college football, though. Keep it classic for, for my family here. And I'm going to take the Iowa wave at the end of the first quarter. Pretty classic. I mean, it was literally the first game that I was a college student. They started this tradition. So, you know, maybe a hint of bias. I'm not going to say there is or there isn't, but I'm just going to outline the facts for you guys. And then also, I'm generally not a huge fan of the wave. I'm just going to point that out there. Not the Iowa wave, but like the wave where everyone, you know, stands up and then sits down right after that wave. I'm normally not a huge fan, but the Wisconsin Badgers, Camp Randall, they do like different editions. They'll do like a super slow motion wave. They'll do like a super fast wave. They'll do like two waves at one time. So that's pretty funny. I feel like they have a good time at Camp Randall. It's where my sister went to school. So I got to uh, go to some games there as well. So we'll keep it in the family. My dad asking about uh, about some some fan traditions and uh, a couple of personal ones for me there uh, with Iowa, uh, with the wave and the wisconsin wave two very different editions but uh two of my personal favorites for sure uh appreciate that question good answer from donnie as well on that one uh and then end of the podcast deadly spot my sister kira just spoke about her i'm talking about the wisconsin badgers she's got a question not relating that but also with her boyfriend phil they got a uh, a really good question honestly i this has been on my mind for uh ever since they asked it and uh and here we are the moment has come what is the largest animal you think you could take in a fight donnie i'm gonna share my answer first on this one before you and i want to make a major disclaimer a major major disclaimer that the first thing that came in my mind when i read this question the largest animal you think you could take in a fight i was like oh let me pick an insect or like something super small and then i was like wait a minute if i got in a fight with a bee i would lose immediately and a bee is super small i've literally lost to bees before i've gotten stung by bees i I would not fight a bee. So then I had to think out of the box a little bit. I was like, okay, you know, I can't just take the easy way out and pick an insect. And I'm going to go with a pig. I feel like I could, I could, I could take down a pig. And I, and you know, a pig, you know, they're a little smaller for sure. I'm not, I, cause I don't want to piss off a big animal community. Okay. I don't want to release my answer on this podcast. And then all of a sudden, all these animals come start fighting because they said I could, they, I said I could defend myself. Like, no. But, you know, if, if a pig comes by, I feel like I like my chances and, uh, and I, it's not as small as an insect. So uh, I felt, good about that response uh going with a pig and that one uh, lock in the answer for me all right all the pigs come flying at me now i'm ready for you i am prepared for for the pig attack on my life but that's the answer i'm going with all right donnie now you you can share too yeah i heard the insect part and i was like oh no this is a cop-out answer another <laughs> another bs crap i got gotcha. you a curveball but, but we we got somewhere i thought about this obviously there is um I, i'm gonna go with a cow just a normal cow because they're they, the cows, if you push a cow down, it can't get up. Like the, It's like a legitimate Are you thing. pushing the cow, a cow down, though? Yes. You could get enough momentum <laughs> to push a cow down. I don't know. Uh, I'm fairly sure that I could do that. And even not, like, how is the cow going to fight you? They, they, they're on four. They're, they're, they're little slow. chunky. 
They're, they're chunky little beefy, beefy fellas. So how are they going to do that? But I was also thinking, like, imagine if we took animals out of the ocean and put them on land. Like, I could beat the shit out of a whale if, if yeah, they were on land. You're right. I, I, I could. Right. I could. You throw a manatee on land. I'm giving it the one-two combo. Yeah. Put of, it in the uh, ring. I'm, I'm Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> I'm Floyd Mayweather. I'm Conor McGregor. There is no chance for that. That's that a great manatee. Answer. To to uh to exist, but uh, I'm gonna go with if we're talking land animals, I'm gonna go with a cow. Uh, I feel like cows, a cow cows don't fight. When have you ever seen a cow in the wild fighting? Never. It doesn't I happen. I haven't. It they're just they're, there's a reason they're food. There's a reason they're a big source of of protein to uh, us humans. It's because they they don't fight back. The cows don't have a chance. I'm gonna beat the living living hell out of a cow if it's for my life. It's just how it's gonna be. What it is, and it, it is what it is. Um, sorry for any any PETA. Obviously, this is just a hypothetical. Neither RK right. or myself have beat up a pig or a cow or a whale or a manatee. Um, but that's my answer. I'm sticking with it. And and you can't tell me that I can't beat up a cow. I'm pretty sure I could. I like the manatee a lot. Like you put on your creative thinking cap there, Donnie, and I like what you did. I really do. But you know, the cow, I just don't know. I I'm not taking on a cow. That's your battle now. Okay, I'm taking on the pig army, and you're taking on the cow. But army. what do cows do to fight? What? How do cows Look, fight? You tell this me. Is battle. This is you they don't, don't stand me. up. <laughs> they can't stand up on two legs and start doing karate. They're not. They're not. They're not ducking and weaving. They're just a cow. Yeah. Moo, and then all of a sudden it's getting. Right. A lot it's of slapped over and over. Like there's a, there's it's nothing a there. Of... The cow it's gonna sit there and moo until the cow is given up, and then I'm gonna tip it over, and it's it's gonna be done. It's over. That's it. I think you're gonna get the cow on like a hard count. You're gonna like moo moo, and then he's gonna jump, and then he'll knock him out. That'll be your, I mean, your snake attack. Obviously, obviously, I'll have to do some Miles Garrett like between my legs <laughs> dribbling before I get yep. up to the cow. Make yep. sure that he's, he's he's thrown off. I'm I'm prepared. Don't worry, I'm on this. Okay, I like it. This is a great question. This was actually one of my favorites that we've been asked at the the end of these podcasts by by Kira and now Phil. I mean, this was elite. This was honestly like you know you know sometimes there's some questions where I'm like okay you know yes you've asked can about we, death before all right can you know? we get but an answer from from Kira and Phil? Can Kira and Phil tell us what what animals they would true. be in a fight? Like like I I think. I'm no offense to Kira. I don't, I'm not giving Kira much of a chance against a cow or a pig. I'm thinking <laughs> that's probably not going to happen. So I'm I'm curious there. Um, I I, I got to hear this. I need yeah. I need some comms from from the family here. No, I agree. I agree. Kira's been texting me her her podcast recaps, and they've been getting longer. So I know they're getting more invested. But but I need a response here. Sometimes we've we've put out you know SOS signals for for answer requests. We don't always get them. We got to get one here. I have a lot of confidence in the Curafil team to report back on the uh, on the large animal they think they could take in a fight to to share with Donnie and I. Uh, but yeah, great question. As I said, definitely uh, giving some claps. Kira and Phil, this is a good one. Whoever uh, whoever came up with that one, uh, hopefully you uh, you enjoyed listening to our responses on that because I uh, I enjoyed sharing them. Uh, been a fun one. Always fun to chat with Donnie for an hour or so. Uh, it's not the only hour a week we talk, which is nice, but it's the only hour recorded a week that we talk, so we get to share it with you guys. It's a lot of fun. That's what you think. Family. Yeah, that's what that you at home like to think. <laughs> it's just kind of scary, scary way to end the <laughs> podcast here, Donnie. But uh, nevertheless, I'll pass it over to you, Donnie, to wrap up. Uh, obviously, we appreciate everybody who listens every week and sends in questions or doesn't send in questions but still listens. We uh, do appreciate that. Obviously, we've got football here on out, uh, baseball playoffs coming up soon. And RK, three weeks out from the NHL season from today oh. when we're currently recording. We're getting very close to that like little October. The October period where Connor Bedard's out there scoring 11 goals in three in real games. games. Yes. And, and we're talking, wow, like everything. This is crazy. Obviously, that's right around the corner. So get excited for that. October is here almost. So obviously, uh, the best month of the year for football, baseball, 
basketball, hockey, everything going on. What a life. Uh, We appreciate everybody who listened, and we will talk to you all again next week. Peace, everybody. Jack West, too. Peace. Yeah, you know, Shaq West, he can come on. He cannot come on at this point. You know, just peace, everybody. Life couldn't get better.